0: This episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by nobody, because
1: advertisements suck. The Minimalists.
2: (laughs) Every little thing
3: you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just
2: feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm
2: Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. We're here with the the second and a
0: half minimalist here. Yes. Jess Ness-Williams is in the house. Jessica Lynn Williams. Jess. Thanks for being here
1: thanks for having me this is weird (laughs) thanks for being had
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know today we're going to talk about how the minimalists apply minimalism to social media we're going to talk about how we've changed our opinion about social media over the years especially recently and we're going to review the new netflix documentary the social dilemma and that's why we have jessica here today jess manages all of our social media accounts for the minimalist, I think we were just talking the other day, Jess. It's been, what, five years now? To be six yeah, soon? Yeah,
1: we started working together in June 2015.
0: Wow. We've known each other much longer than that.
1: Since 2012. Wow. But twenty Yeah, 2013, actually, I want to say, yeah.
0: And so I, I don't want this to be a diatribe against social media, although I think parts of it might feel that way today. Uh, because I think we met on social media, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Ryan Ryan and Sean are the only people I haven't met on social media, (laughs) I think. And so I'm I'm pro social media Mm. in many respects, but I'm also anti the way it's being used, the way that we are using it, but also the way that it is using us now. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wrote this question down early on, is social media the original social distancing? We've sort of been talking about this um, this concept of, of distancing each other, but I feel like in a way, social media has connected us, it connected us, mm-hmm. but it also puts us at an arm's length from everyone at some point. You know, it, uh, Facebook friends are a good example of this. Your average person has, what, 500, 600 Facebook friends. Well, Dunbar's number is 150. We can only manage 150 relationships at any one sure. given time, and so... Jess, I'm wondering what, uh, as we're talking through some of these questions, we've got some audience questions as well. What are, I'm going to be interested in your, your perspective, what you're seeing, because you're closer to this than I am right now. But I think we, we have probably similar opinions about a lot of this stuff. So I want to talk about where we are right now in 2020, 2021, where we're going to be in the near future. And also where we've been. As you know, when Ryan and I first started The Minimalists, 2008 is when we first discovered minimalism 2009 right around there the minimalist started in in 2010 so 10 years ago right now Uh, we were facing this problem it was post-crash this economic crisis and a lot of people were realizing they had debt and where that debt come from it came from overconsumption overindulgent over consumption and so that was a problem and minimalism was an old answer to a new problem that was peeking its head out and I don't think that problem has gone away necessarily I think it's morphed we have fewer shopping malls and much more online shopping now so consumption and overconsumption, consumerism is still a problem but there's a new problem that I think has emerged over the course of the last decade during the the teens and that problem is distraction it's not to say that we weren't distracted before. I think we're more distracted than we've ever been. And I've been thinking about this because in that documentary, The Social Dilemma, which we'll be discussing here in a moment, that Tristan, uh, Tristan Harris, Tristan Thomas is a Cleveland Cavalier, I believe, uh, but Tristan Harris, he is a former ethicist at Google. I'm a fan of his work. I've been uh, following it for several years now. Uh, he says, this isn't like the TV. It's different from... The television. And I agree with that to a certain extent, but I don't know that I completely agree with that. Um, I think that the television at one point was pacifying the average American, average Westerner for eight hours a day, maybe more. And now we've just replaced that with a different pacifier, right? Mm. And maybe it's a more pernicious pacifier, but the thing we were doing before sort of lacked meaning in a way distracted us from that which is meaningful. And this is doing so just much more effectively. And I think the key problem with either one of those is mm-hmm. we're distracting ourselves. And I think that's really where the problem is. I don't know that social media is a problem. In fact, I would say the problem isn't social media. This is my opinion. I think the problem is constant availability. And, and, and what I mean by that is, when, when you left your house 20 years ago, you didn't have the TV following you outside the house. But now you sort of do. Whether it's the notifications or just the constant sort of panic that you feel if you're untethered from that smartphone. There's someone at Google who called it the 79th organ. Mm-hmm. And it very much feels like it's hard to become untethered to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Actually, uh, you were reminding me the other day it was Saturday, and u- usually I try and stay away. This week I made a, an exception because I was driving about for the week to come up here, so some of my work had shifted to be later in the week. But still, in the morning, I was like, "You know, what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a walk in Griffith Park. I'm mm. going to take my dog. I haven't done that in years. I used to live out here, so I really wanted to relive that. And I, so I got into the parking garage. I didn't have my phone, and I'm like, "Well." I know LA pretty well like the back of my hand because I drove around. So I know I can get to Griffith Park. And I got lost in Griffith Park. <laughs> 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 and I was like I was running late, Mariah and I were supposed to do yoga and I was so I was so upset that like that I was on, I wasn't on time for that and it, it's one of those things where I, I saw of course like there's there's this utility to this tool
3: mm-hmm.
1: and of course there's value in it but at the same time God forbid, if like I ran into a mountain Mm. lion or a person that didn't have the best intentions, like these tools serve Mm. us Mm. and they do distract us at the same time. And I think what we really need to find is, can we get a net positive? So like, am I actually getting something that's going to benefit my life out of this at the end of the day? Yeah. Ryan. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Thank you. That's my famous saying at the end of the day. Um, so uh, I got two thoughts going on. One, I wanted to talk about the TV versus social media. I yeah. think this is really important to talk about. But I think first, let's talk about uh, the tool. That's yes. something that really stood out with me in the social dilemma. Mm-hmm. I think it was Tristan who said, we look at this thing like it's a tool. Mm-hmm. But a tool sits around. Right. And it waits patiently for you to use it. Yeah. Where social media is constantly demanding something from you, yeah. So it's it, not that it still can't be used as a tool. Bingo. But I think that sometimes we, I don't know, we make an excuse. Oh well, it's just a tool that we use. Yeah. But the, the but the question is, is are we using it or is it using us?
0: Yeah, I think we're you. I, here, here's what I've. I'm speaking to myself here when I say you. I want you to be clear about that. If you have social media on your phone, you're being played. It's that simple. Oh, yeah. And and so I know we're going to talk about some strategies and some nuances, but there are two things that I want you to get out of this episode if you stop it right after this. Number one, take all social media off your phone if you can. And and if you can't, take all personal social media off your phone. I'll make that Mm. distinction. There are business reasons. We can get in that probably during the maximum episode. We'll talk about whether or not social media is actually beneficial for business and how Mm. how it might not be as well. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is what our friend Cal Newport calls the four-year rule. So, uh, or the foyer if you live in a, a nice palatial mm-hmm. estate. Uh, I don't have either. I have a very tiny hallway when you walk into my apartment. I have a junk drawer, though. As soon as you walk in, it's in my kitchen, which is attached to that hallway there. And that's where I keep my phone. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not that I, I never use my phone when I'm at home. I certainly do. But when I do want to use it, I go and grab the phone out of the junk drawer. There's a little friction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Creating that friction. And even then, I don't have social media apps on my phone. I also don't have email on my phone. Mm-hmm. That That's a choice. And then, it, what, what, what's happening? I'm turning it back into the tool that it was intended to be. Yeah. You know, Steve Jobs was in The Social Dilemma very briefly. Yeah. And... He certainly didn't intend for this to be what it is today, yeah. a distraction m- machine that is with you in perpetuity. He was trying to merge a Palm Pilot with a iPod with a flip phone, mm. basically, uh, so that you had all of this and you had a little mini computer in your your pocket. Mm-hmm. the uh, the uh, The intention was never to curate your attention, mm-hmm. to cultivate your attention. As many hours as possible in order to sell you advertisements. Yeah, He likened it to like a bicycle for your mind or something.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: It kind of reminds me. It makes me think about like when we're talking about this being a tool and we think about what actually is coming from this experience of using this tool. I feel like it reminds me of like having an Amazon Echo that tells you you're not good enough. Mm. You know, like it's like a tool that like kind of assaults you Mm. like in the middle of the day, like it kind of has an impact on your mind that you wouldn't necessarily expect versus like a hammer, like... If you don't touch it nothing really happens like it just sits on a table but Mm -hmm. like social media is like a hammer that comes up and hits you in the face
0: yeah (laughs) like
1: if you if you respond to it in the way that it's designed for you to respond to it
0: Well, let's talk about that tool because i think that a smartphone can be a tool and it can also be a a bludgeon in a way where it becomes this it becomes a hammer that grows legs and chases you around the place right and you're like and so I think that the TV was never much of a tool, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so we recognized it. We, there's even euphemisms for it, the boob tube or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, we, we recognized that like that's where I'm going to go veg out. We even use this terminology like I'm a vegetable yeah. standing in front of this. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm not an <laughs> but, animate but life now form. We,
2: now we veg out at a red light. Exactly. Now we
0: edge out in a waiting room, yeah. right? There, we, we've removed these interstitial zones, mm-hmm. the waiting rooms, the red lights, these these the walks that we would take without the earbuds in or whatever, where we would have time. We'd make time for boredom. We'd make time for ourselves. Uh, we, we'd make time to be alone with our thoughts. To sort of, yeah. Uh, you know, remember with the uh, old PCs, you would defrag them. Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah, and so like you have to run like a defragging oh. sequence on a computer in order to like keep it uh, running smoothly. Right. And I feel like that's where those interstitial zones—that's what they gave us—was a sort of defragging moment at the red light at the the airport lobby where you you didn't have access to constant contact and and therefore people couldn't constantly contact you. I mean, now if I have social media on my phone and I even if I don't have the notifications turned on, there's mm-hmm. the pull to say, oh, "Did someone at me? Did someone like my tweet? How many yeah. retweets did I get? How many shares? Do you, whatever it is on Facebook, mm-hmm. like uh, th- there are all of these these uh, sort of metrics that we're we're chasing, yeah. and we're chasing the wrong thing. I mean, I think that's the craving. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 Buddhist called the the four truths, but one of them is is craving, and I think that is more pronounced than ever. Jess, talk to me about The Social Dilemma. When you watch this film, what were your, what were your initial thoughts? I mean, it, for me, I, the first thing I thought was like, well, yeah, I kind of know a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I also th- thought they did it. Um, I thought the, the documentary itself was really well done. And I've got some criticisms about the documentary I'm going to share on, on the Maximal episode, at least three big criticisms. But overall, I thought it was way better done than mm-hmm. I anticipated.
1: I thought it was amazing. I loved it. I felt like uh, I was telling Ryan like these are these are like kindred spirits. Like these people they seem like in a lot of ways are people because they're seeing the result of of the thing that they've created. And what I really like about it too is these are the creators of it and they're not so attached to it that they can't look at it with a critical eye and mm-hmm. say that um, something that they have contributed to has actually created a negative Environment um, in our society, and I think it takes a lot of like introspection to see that your life's work has done something so mm. um, damaging. But at the same time, I also think um, that we have a lot of good potential to bring some good into the world. And I think that it was really beautiful that it ended on a hopeful note.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't believe how emotional
0: that movie made me.
2: It made mm. me
1: cry. <laughs>
3: wow,
0: wow. <laughs> I felt the exact opposite. For, in fact, if I had a fourth criticism, it would be. It, it would be that like it actually missed the emotion for me. Like, uh interesting. I, I'll give you an example, and I know this is a self-serving example. If you look at our our, our first uh, uh, documentary, Minimalism, hmm. like to me it emoted a sort of. It put me in an emotional place where I was like, okay, what what am I supposed to do with this emotion now? Like, mm. let, and, and then it also gave some sort of action there, and I, I think there there were some sort of definitive things that. The film said during the sort of credits at the end of the film, you can you can try a few things, but it didn't really give us a, a viable solution. Yeah. And it's... I think what I want to do with this podcast is I want to I want to provide the solution because I think they set up the problem phenomenally well. Yeah. Uh, and I thought the the reenactments they did a great job with those. I those could have been really cheesy, but they, yeah, did, yeah, a they did a phenomenal job. job with that. Yeah. Um, and and also the you know the experts, including Tristan. I mean, they are they know what they're talking about. In fact, mm-hmm. Jess, you mentioned like it is sort of a noble thing and really a difficult thing to say. Hey, look, my life's work was misguided right Mm. ryan and i realized that around age 30 where we had climbed the corporate ladder and realized the ladder was leaned against the wrong building and i think a lot of these guys in the film and a few gals but it was almost exclusively men Mm -hmm. um who had developed these these products uh to garner our attention they realized at some point in their life like oh this is not what we intended Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like there was some evil cabal that got together and said, how can we drain everyone's attention?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: No, no, it was the opposite. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And mm-hmm. the guy who invents the like button all of a sudden didn't realize the implications of having that in front of two and a half billion people. What was crazy to me is like
2: they didn't they never blamed any one person like it was. And, and they asked that question, you know, whose fault is this? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And the problem is that there's so many facets of it that create the problem. Um, Can we talk
0: about that problem? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 what, what, uh, so the I like that at the beginning. Remember they said, what is the problem? And, and at first they kind of had trouble explaining it. That was it.
1: so good. I loved yeah. that. I loved the hesitancy in it because it really shows like they're thick in it and they can't even answer that question definitively. Yeah.
0: Which is sad to me. I, that, that, I, I think that it is a rather complex problem let me simplify it i think i think there are three things i love to walk through them uh there's more than three things but there are at least three things that i can identify as the problem right now we already i talked about one in our new book love people use things i call it weapons of mass distraction Mm -hmm. right that's really what it is the tv distracted us when we were at home but now it's the constant distraction we've already talked about that what but what does it distract us from because If we're getting joy and meaning and purpose from these things, then it wouldn't really be a distraction, right? Right. It's actually distracting us from living meaningfully. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not living a meaningful life, but we're we're doing this thing that sort of apes the form of connection, so it makes us almost feel like we're doing something meaningful in the moment. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. Second problem is, we talked about it briefly, but it prevents us from engaging with and appreciating our boredom. Yeah, uh, because boredom actually isn't a thing. I, I don't think. I, I think it's a reaction to overstimulus. Yes, and, and so and when you're overstimulated, boredom is
2: like the it's it's the most uncomfortable feeling.
1: Well, also we're both Enneagram sevens, so I think that we probably experience that a little differently. <laughs> right, probably. <laughs> Sorry, but anyways, no, continue. no, but
2: uh, I mean, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. We do experience that differently.
0: Well, I, I think that um, Rob Bell in his book uh, How to Be Here he talks about. Um, if you're bored, you're boring, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I think that for me, what that really means, like, cause we shouldn't. You can look at a monk mm-hmm. who's been in the room for twelve hours, mm-hmm. and he or she is not bored, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they've formed a detente with, in fact, some of them can be elated, mm-hmm. joyous, mm-hmm. content at least, right? Yeah. Beyond pleasurable, beyond well, happy.
1: I mean, that's your dream. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, the weird thing is, it's not. And,
0: and In fact, I think that's, I, I wish it was. I, that's actually the problem. I wish it was my dream in a way. But right now, I think a lot of our dreams are misguided. Mm. Remember Shia LaBeouf, don't let your dreams be dreams. um <laughs> Just <laughs> like this fake motivational speech for yeah, a role, but uh, yeah, yeah uh, I, I think that right now it, we, are, the dream, the the dream for me and Ryan, I believe, is not to remove ourselves from the contemporary world like a, a monk or an ascetic would. There's a lot of value in that, but what we're trying to do is show that we can live more deliberately mm. in that modern world. Mm. Right. The third problem that I, I identified: so we got weapons of mass distraction. We we've got. Uh, not appreciating boredom. And the third is, I think this is the biggest problem, the advertising model. And they did a good job yeah. of highlighting the advertising model. I thought one thing was missing, though. Hmm. Um, the the advertising model is there to make you do one thing. It's not just to garner your attention. It's, I mean, that, that's the, the, the garnering your attention is so they can feed you ads. The point of the ads is to get you to buy stuff you don't need right with money you don't have yeah and maybe that's the implicit message of that but i think For it sure. gets lost in all of the other yeah. the bits of of social media distraction mm-hmm. ultimately the point of ads and thus the point of social media because it's ad driven yeah is to get you to buy things you don't need so so how do they do that they make you as just alluded to earlier may, they make you feel inadequate in a way yeah
1: yeah Sorry, keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: no, I I would love to talk about the TV versus the, the smartphone, but w- what I'll say about the ads, that could be its own documentary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that could have been its whole other thing. Um the uh the, the emotional response that that it, it gave me by the way, cuz what you what you related to was there was no emotion there was no solution to the problem, which I get that. For me it made me sad for well, A, the, the fictional family that was there, mm-hmm. but the fact that they represent a real family, and it represents to me what a lot of people are going through right now with, with these distractions and how it doesn't seem like it's a big deal, but mm-hmm. it actually is a, it is a big deal. But let's talk about, just real quick, the TV versus a smartphone. Oh. So um, you said you did not
0: agree with the point, or you, you weren't sure if you agreed with what point? Well, what I brought up was that the main way that it is different from the tv mm-hmm. is i never really saw the tv as a tool oh right and uh yeah and i do see the potential for a tool uh, don't get me wrong I see there, there are some there is some potential as mm-hmm. a tv being a tool yeah but really i don't think in our lifetimes it's ever served as a as an actual tool yeah it has served as a as a pacifier total as pacifier. a distraction the phone itself is in many ways a tool, a GPS tool, it plays music, it allows me to connect with people on the phone or via text message. Mm -hmm. And so in many ways, it is a tool, but then it's also a distraction machine as well. Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: One thing that's really interesting too, I feel like when you're looking at the phone, or even when I see people looking at the phone, I really try and not cast any judgment. Because what's really interesting about Mm -hmm. the phone is when you're looking at it, you could be looking at flight information, you could be looking at a calculator, you could be looking at your stocks, you could look at banking. And I'm not saying that it's not per and not invading our lives, but I try and really look at it objectively and see that this item that I'm holding in my hand is not mm-hmm. really serving just one purpose. Right. So because of that, we kind of see everybody in this zombified state. But it's interesting because from our own perspective, we're doing something of value. So mm-hmm. I think the importance is, is for us to recognize that we may think we're doing something of value. But we have to be mindful of the fact that, despite the fact that, like you know, we have these algorithms we can't outsmart them because I don't think that the algorithm is about being intelligent. Like, I don't think that overcoming it is about being intelligent. Mm -hmm. I think it's like, it's taking advantage of our humanity. So we just have to be aware that we're humans. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I like that point. It's like if someone's, if I see someone texting, and I might be like, "Oh, they're there on their phone." They might be writing a poem. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I, I like that giving the people giving people the benefit
0: of the doubt. And even then, it's contextual, right? Because Absolutely. like, if you started writing a poem right now as we're having this conversation, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. It, yes. it would it would be a distraction. But
2: isn't it interesting if I was doing this over here with a pen and paper uh-huh. versus having my phone out? It yeah. elicits two... I keep doing the same exact thing, but it
0: elicits two completely different responses. Yeah. Although I think that's generational. I, I think that's beginning to change. We're oh, seeing yeah. a lot of I Gen can, Z yeah, I kids. Uh, I guess Ella, my daughter, is uh, on the, ver- the, the tail end of Gen Z, mm-hmm. right? Anyone born 1996 or after Mm -hmm. and i think they're probably going to start seeing it a little bit differently with respect now i'm not saying that's a good thing right um it's just that they're looking at it a little bit differently
2: there was a point in the documentary um going back to the tv thing there's a point in the documentary where i think it was tristan who was talking about the level up the leveling up the level that this does and someone was debating with him and he said well that's what they said about TV when it first came out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they said about X, Y, and Z. And this is just another. This is just another version of that. Yeah. The difference to me, though, is why it's so incredibly different than what television does. Is it is it is there to uh, specifically take up as much as your time as possible? Mm-hmm. Like it is it is a pernicious thing and it's funny cuz we sit here and we blame social media and it is a large problem but even apps we have on our phone it's mm-hmm. still collecting data it's still getting as much as it can from you mm-hmm. to make sure that you know whatever search engine you use is going to
0: like know what to sell you i don't think that's a different problem from tv though in fact if you look at the data mm-hmm. we spend about as much time now on our phones and tv as we did on our phones and tv Twenty years ago, it right, it just and that, shifted in a
2: different direction. In that sense, you're absolutely right. The difference to me is that TV did not have the effect on your life. That that social media and that a cell phone has on your life.
0: Yes, it, it, uh, in terms of self well, it it, it did. It's just probably not as pronounced, right? But, mm, here, but you here's what I mean: you didn't you didn't watch the TV and want to cut yourself.
2: You didn't watch the TV and be like, "Oh man, like look at that person's life. Um, I'm going to kill myself." The TV
0: didn't bully you. Yeah, no, I I think it did. Too many. I think it gave us an unreasonable Sh- expectation, yeah, we, especially through advertisements. Yeah, I mean, we can say. I mean, I'm 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 happy to agree to disagree, but I mean, we can say it's similar in that aspect. I don't think we disagree, though. Oh. Oh, okay. I, 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 well, and maybe we do, but like you would agree that advertising in the 80s still tried to create a, a false need. Yeah. I, I think what I'm trying to say, and maybe we can agree on this point, um,
2: we can say that social or just cell phones in general, everything that comes with it, smartphones, they are similar to televisions, but like TV is not similar to a smartphone, if that makes any sense, because it does so much more than what, than what a TV did. For sure. yeah. Jess, you want to expand
0: on that?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, one thing I just wanted to say, too, is I think it's, I mean, even though obviously watching TV is not necessarily like a communal thing uh, all the time, I think also in the home, number one, you a lot of times, like I know, we just had kind of like maybe one or two TVs. So it was more communal. It was a shared screen, Mm -hmm. number one. Mm. So I think it was communal in the sense that it was in the home, but it was also communal in the sense that there was only like, there weren't as many options in terms of things you could watch. So what we did is we... All entered the same world during a certain time and now when we look our phones because the algorithms are different for you and you and me We're entering different worlds when we answer our phones, and I think that that's adding to that level of isolation that you've been talking about.
0: Yeah, I, I, in fact, I wanna, I wanna play devil's advocate against that because I think we agree on this, but also I think there's a lot of good that comes out of these algorithms, so I'm gonna write this down so we can talk about it on the maximal. We do oh, need to move on to yeah. some of these questions we have from the audience. Brian mm-hmm. in China has a question for
4: us. I left the US because of the constant pressures of societal normality, religious views, and people always crossing boundaries that you've set as if it's a joke or you're wrong. My question is, how do you deal with the constant judging or breaking of boundaries you set without being almost too aggressive?
0: So, Jess, I think this was a necessary question here because Brian sort of opted out of, I don't know, Western culture, I I suppose. He and his wife, um, I know you don't hear the entire voicemail, but... He and his wife are living in China, sort of digital nomads. I'll be honest, I don't really know what that means, so maybe you can enlighten the <laughs> uh, the uh, listenership on what a digital nomad is. I've heard the term a million times, and I sort of smile and nod like I know what uh, they're talking about. But he, he, the problem he had, it sounds to me, he didn't use this word, but tribalism, The 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 binary the you're on team red or team blue team r team d and and there are a hundred different examples of this team conspiracy or team uh i don't know uh, round earth or whatever like mm-hmm. you know, all of these 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 teams and he wanted to opt out of that but i also think that's sort of part of our, our human nature so can we talk a bit about boundaries and, and boundaries that maybe you set up during uh, with social media and uh, what 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 would you tell Brian?
1: Well, I think um, I think one thing that I would tell Brian is I mean, when we're thinking about social media becoming a distraction, I think that what we're also not thinking about is the overarching like value of our life because when we talk about minimalism, we're always looking for the why and i feel like when you're deriving a lot of value from your life those distractions become less enticing because you realize what you're it's pulling you away from mm. so i feel like really placing emphasis on those things that you value so much and and focusing on what your mission is in life i think that that's one of the first things that i would say that he needs to do if i'm you know he may have already done that but like that will give you the leverage as we talk about to move mm. forward effectively so when you do hit a distraction, you know why it's important to walk away from it.
2: Yeah, I wish I had more information on the boundaries that he's talking about. Um, I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's boundaries of like friends and family. And yeah, yeah,
0: yeah I mean, it's, It sounds to me like um, it, it Jess. By the way, I think you bring up a great point. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're living an incredible, meaningful life, the the sort of mundane distractions, even though you get that dopamine rush, it's going to seem so. Weak in comparison mm. to the strength of of a of a meaningful life, of course that that does require a lot more you know, cerebration than celebration is often what i 'll say like we have to we have to we have to build up the strength of a uh, of a, a well lived life, mm. and constantly pacifying ourselves or distracting ourselves with the device is not uh, is not a way to do that in fact yeah. that's how we atrophy i think in many ways mm. ryan to talk about the boundaries though mm. yeah the, he, he's talking about you know sometimes it might feel harsh and guess what it probably does Brian. you picked up and moved to china uh that's to some people that's going to feel harsh yeah. as well yeah. uh, a few things that i would say and and, and jess knows i'm going to give this answer but you don't have to explain yourself to anyone mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as soon as you start to feel like you're, you're compelled to explain yourself, remember, you can step back and say, I'm, this isn't a requirement. Mm-hmm. There may be times where I want to, mm-hmm. but I don't need to be compelled to explain myself. Yeah. I don't have to tell you why I am, or I'm not using Facebook or yeah. why I am, or I'm not using Instagram or whatever. And the other thing I'm going to tell you is guess what? Most people probably don't actually care. Ryan, you don't have a Facebook account. I'm sure people aren't coming to you and saying, how dare you?
2: No. But you know, when someone does come to me and they say, how dare you, with with whatever boundary I set up, which happens every once in a while. Sure. You know, I try to, and I've said this many times on the podcast before, I try to approach those tense situations with a de-escalating attitude. Mm. And the way that you do that is you focus on showing that person love. You f- focus on showing that person some uh, compassion or empathy or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you want to show that person that you respect them. That's what we want out of every relationship. Every human re- human interaction, we want to feel good, we want to be loved, we want to be understood, and we want to be respected. So if you can keep those things in mind when you're talking about these boundaries with other people, mm-hmm. they're, probably, they're also probably going to de-escalate. Now, there are situations where people don't de-escalate and they just want to continue to escalate. Well, that's where you walk away. Give it a little Mm -hmm. time and then come back to it, maybe. Now, Jess, social media
0: is the place where people escalate (laughs) all the time. I'm so glad we have you to de-escalate things. Yeah, please
1: be nice (laughs) in the YouTube comments. I'm monitoring things. (laughs) So,
0: So let's talk about this because people often escalate much more quickly there. It's like if Ryan, Ryan, I loved his example there. People want love and support, but on on social media it's like well i'm just gonna pull out my switchblade it's the equivalent of that right and and so i mean i guess why do we do that what what are your thoughts because you see it so much
1: i think it's um a precarious situation because everyone's at the table Mm. every there's somebody at like in mumbai from the table there like is a woman who like you know, picks rice in China. There's Mm -hmm. like somebody in Russia at the table. And we have to be thoughtful of everybody's feelings that we don't even know what their backgrounds are. Mm -hmm. That's so hard. Like if, if somebody was in the room and I know they had a situation that I should be sensitive about, I would be aware of it. But since everybody's in the room, we have to be thoughtful of that. But really what I think what it comes down to is we are a product of our experiences. And the Mm -hmm. more experiences we have, the more broad of people that we become. And Mm -hmm. I think when you become a, an open-minded person and you realize that everyone's coming to you with their resources and their tools and their experiences mm-hmm. you realize there's a reason that they are the way they are and mm-hmm. there may they may have something in their past that you don't know about yeah that like mm-hmm. if you had that same experience you would feel the same way mm-hmm. so I think we really have to recognize that like things are the way they are for a reason and you might not know that reason and if you did you might even change your mind
2: well that's what's great about feedback or I think in the documentary they they say criticism specifically.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Jaron Lanier, he's. Well, yeah. I mean,
2: he, he wrote a great book about
0: what ten reasons you should, yeah. you should quit social media. And
2: we could differentiate the, b- between criticism and feedback. But sometimes feedback feedback can have some criticism in it. Yeah. That, that isn't so sharp. It's not with a blade. But long story short, is when we get those experiences when people point things
0: out it actually helps us present a better argument. Yeah. yeah. what well, I love what Jessica's saying here because it sounds to me like what you're describing is compassion. Mm-hmm. And, and having compassion, even for those who are, mm. well, we call them seagulls, right? Because uh, there's, and Sean put a link to that essay about seagulls, but uh, we'll put that in show notes. But uh, seagulls fly over whatever you've done. They crap on it. and They fly away. Mm-hmm. That's what a that's what a seagull does. And we can even have compassion for them. Now we'll still block you, <laughs> uh, but in fact, I think blocking someone is often the most compassionate thing you can do because you're mm. not allowing them to continue their suffering in your home, mm. right? Or in in your your place of communication. I in love your that. Community. It's like someone came into your house and they're being
2: belligerent. They're self harming. Yes, and you are basically saying. um, you're not, you need to leave the house. Yes. You're not welcome in my home.
1: It reminds me, I think Louis C.K. was on Fallon maybe, and he was talking about uh, the way that people experience social media and the difference between that and real life interactions. And if I say something mean to you, and I look at your face, and I see your micro expressions, and I realize that I was just a jerk, mm-hmm. like, then that changes things. And I think that because of the fact that we don't have that in-person, like visceral response to these negative interactions, Mm -hmm. the block is the closest thing that we have to it. Mm -hmm. Because when you go to that page, you have this visceral reaction of like the electronic version of a frown saying like, you made me feel bad and now, you're not allowed to talk to me anymore. And the, I think yeah. it's a beautiful boundary to draw. I love mm-hmm. one time, One time I was going to block somebody and I sent Josh Blocks a picture of Blocks. I'm like, we're going to have a block party today.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think we may have posted the uh, organizing is well-planned hoarding essay that day. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, some people get that very gets mad gets by what I always them. look at as some very sort of innocuous words. And then uh,
2: what I find people get, yeah, people get really angry about these exceptions. Mm-hmm. and and they, and they think that, there aren't we're not allowing exceptions for anything and yeah. it's and it's like well there's always an, no matter what philosophy you look at like there's going to be an exception to the rules that mm-hmm. that are laid out
1: I, also i'm sorry i just want to mention that i also don't block everybody that's a jerk because sometimes no, no. I, I think it's i think it's valuable to make sure that there's a conversation to be had because if somebody else notices that they're a jerk and they're like hey I'm going to point out to you that you were a jerk. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so I think that it's important to, you know, leave those conversations be because it it creates a dialogue and and that person needs that dialogue. Yeah.
2: Yes, absolutely. You know what? You just gave me an idea. I would love to take like the most visceral conversation that we can find on the Internet. And then the skit is everyone in the same room talking to each other.
0: Yeah Re- like
2: reading yeah. <laughs> reading the comments back and forth yeah, like to this. each other like that cuz you would never do that if you were in the right. same room with someone
0: Well I would it would even be even better if you hire like well-known actors to act it out. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're acting out these comments to each other, typos and all. Oh, it'd so yes, it would be so really good. Yeah, this would be really good. Patent pending. Brian, I'm going to send you a copy of the Minimalist Rulebook. You're asking about boundaries. Well, one way to define a boundary is to call them rules, right? Ryan and I came up with 16 Rules for Living with Less. It's a free ebook. You can get it at theminimalists.com resources. There's also an audiobook version of that available now as well. Ryan and I recorded it. We even did a mini podcast associated with each of the 16 rules so you can check out the free ebook version or the audiobook version the minimalistscom slash rulebook for the audiobook version and you can download the free ebook there as well I'm gonna skip Anna's question actually mm-hmm. we'll move it over to the maximal episode because I thought it was a good question we're just running out of time here so Ryan tell me what time it is you know what time it is it is time for our lightning round will <sighs> we
2: yes thank you Jess
0: <laughs> will
2: we answer your Questions from your texts. You can text your questions and comments to nine three seven two zero two four six five four. 202 4654
0: Yes, indeed. Those texts go to both of our phones. We personally reply to as many as we can, but we don't respond to everyone. We do respond to some on... This podcast, though, mm-hmm. during the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I, and now Jess, we, uh, we all do our best to answer every question with a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you like. And now, thanks to Jessica, you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place, minimalmaxims.com. Megan has oh, a question for us. All
2: right. Megan wants to know, how do you balance staying informed with spending time in the moment? Is there a secret algorithm to seeing only the highlights and the funny
0: stuff? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Jess, uh, I did try to separate this a little bit earlier, but like you have personal accounts as well you're at Jess breathes on on all the relevant social media platforms mm-hmm. myspace and tumblr wherever else she is Yik <laughs> yeah. Yuck, yak. um so let's talk about balance right because you do have social media accounts on your phone out of necessity here mm-hmm. um but how do you find balance
1: screenless saturdays yeah um i i find balance because what what i'm looking for with screenless saturdays what is it is a uh, it is the space between stimuli and response. Mm. And I have a full 24 hours every single week to um, have a deeper relationship with that space Mm. and recognize the value in it, but also confront myself because I feel like that's really what we're looking to do here is confront ourselves. And we're looking for like, why am I searching for the phone? And Mm. I think that, so often we search for it but then we don't we're not really paying attention to the fact that there's something that's that's deeper going on so I really feel that the value is looking inward and mm. stopping for a moment and, and placing up those boundaries parenting yourself I I, I gestured to you because last night you were like I gotta I'm, I'm getting riled up I gotta go to bed I'm why wi- like I gotta wind I, down oh yeah and that's right the value of parenting yourself and and looking at yourself because really like you know children, when I see a child crying in the store, Mm. I can like relate. (laughs) I'm like, I kind (laughs) of look at them and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I kind of feel that way sometimes. (laughs) So, um, so I, I, so I think that we all have like that person inside of us. So yeah. I think if we recognize that and we're aware of the fact that that person is inside of us, mm-hmm. then we can um, both be compassionate for ourselves and draw effective boundaries.
0: Yeah. I guess I'm a pithy for you and maybe we can talk about it just briefly here. But when she's asking, how do you balance staying informed with of spending time in the moment? Is there a secret algorithm mm. to only the highlights? Yes, find out on our Maximal episode (laughs) what that secret algorithm is. (laughs) Um, So so here's my pithy answer. When everything's important, nothing's important. Mm. And what I mean by that is we call it a Twitter stream for a reason or a social media stream, right? Imagine trying to consume every drop of water in a river or Mm. imagine just trying to touch every drop of water Mm. in a river. You can't mm-hmm. now. I, someone like me who has OCD, I'm a completist. I would love. I try to catch up on things, but I've I've also surrendered. And so I think the word we're looking for here is surrender. Mm. I think we have to surrender to the fact that we're missing out, and it's okay. In fact, the fear of missing out is the problem, not the missing out. The missing out is not a problem at all. Miss out, but miss out on the right thing, so you don't miss out on the actually. The things that are actually important.
2: Yeah, my pithy answer is this: there is no secret algorithm for discipline, <laughs> and I wish it was as simple as you know downloading an app. And although an app called Discipline sounds like there's something there, Neuralink, patent pending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, it, these are things that we have in our lives, and in in, in the social dilemma, it talks about how this technology is you know, growing way faster than the way we're able to evolve. Mm -hmm. In fact, we haven't evolved at all since this technology. So we have to come up with ways to handle this technology ourselves. And it takes a lot of discipline.
0: Yeah, Yeah. yes, it does. All right. Well, we've got some listener tips, some really great listener tips today. Also an added value segment you don't want to miss out on unless, well, but you don't want to have fear of missing out. (laughs) You can miss out (laughs) on it if you want, right? Uh, But we do have a bunch more surprise questions, a bunch more surprise questions this week. Here are some of them. What are two things you can do right now to improve your relationship with your smartphone? Do Mm. smartphones make us dumb? We've got an article about that. Also, what's the best way to ditch your smartphone if that's something you're trying to do? What are the three biggest problems with the documentary The Social Dilemma? How do you build a screen time budget? And what's the best digital declutter experiment? What are the consequences of Ryan unfollowing everyone on social media? Oh, I can't wait to answer that one. Uh, if you had to use only one social media platform, what should it be? I'm going to be talking to Jess about that. Also, is social media essential to run a business? Mm, that's a good one, too. Plus a million more questions for Jessica and The Minimalist. And if you want to hear all that, subscribe to our maximal episodes on The Minimalist Private Podcast. It's a completely separate podcast, and it's the most honest way for The Minimalist to earn an income because... We don't believe in ads. By the way, if you're not a private podcast subscriber, you're literally missing out on two thirds of what we create. So just be aware of that. You can try it out just for a week or a few weeks or a month. What we're trying to do is add immense value to your life. In fact, I have a quote here from a new Patreon supporter. She says, oh my God, I just pasted this in from uh, from Patreon. Oh my God, these episodes absolutely blew my mind. I just had to pause and come here to write this comment. This private episode is altogether on a different level compared to the public one. Great work. I, I love it. The reason being is... And Jess, tell me about this. It, our our maximum episodes, Ryan and I know they're different, but how are they different to you?
1: I think they're different to me in the sense that you seem like you can be more free there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think obviously if you have somebody that's paying for your work, I think that if you look at it, that's really the issue with social media is there. I, th- I think we're if 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 we were if we had um advertisers mm-hmm. then our audience would be the product yeah mm. and i think that that's really when we're talking about the fact that advertisements suck and we don't have advertisements on the podcast that's why yeah. is because we want to be the one group of in- individuals that say you are not a product so that you are mm. something more than that
0: yeah mm. and, and by the way what we have to do is continue to add value to you. And the places that advertise don't have to necessarily add value. They just need to get your eyeballs onto their service because you are the product, as you alluded to. So head on over to theminimalists.com slash support to subscribe and get your personal links so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. Ryan, what else you got for us this week? Here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners.
2: Check them out.
4: Hi there. My name is Amy. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I just wanted to um, mention something that helps me with um, social media, uh, with Facebook. And I would love to eliminate Facebook, just like you've talked about on your podcast and would love to eliminate it but I still have to keep it because I use it for work purposes um, I teach classes uh to kids and I need I communicate with the parents uh through Facebook I talk about new classes etc so um I'm keeping Facebook but I can't stand the news feed uh it's very distracting and annoying so what I've done to help me is I have downloaded a newsfeed eradicator and I've done that for my phone and my computer. And you can find lots of you can find different newsfeed eradicators um, if you do a search online. Um, I use feedless, that's I use feedless for my phone and basically what happens is you go onto facebook and the whole news feed just the news feed is eliminated and sometimes some of that these news feed eradicators also have a little quote um for the day um, instead of the news feed so uh and it's just so much more helpful if i need to look up and see what somebody's doing, I can do that. I can just manually do that through Facebook, but it doesn't have all of that annoying news feed. Hi, Josh and Ryan. My name is Hope, and I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm calling in regards to your recent podcast episode about book clutter. Almost any time that you mention your books, you encourage your readers to minimize them once they are done with them. I want to suggest a fun way to do that. In Louisville, I've seen several book exchange boxes in different coffee shops where you can leave old books you've finished and pick up a new one without having to go to the library. If you're a minimalist but don't want your friends and family to feel like you're trying to convert them, maybe consider leaving one of Josh and Ryan's books in an exchange box instead. This way, you can rest assured that the next recipient of the book is someone who is choosing to learn about minimalism for themselves. If your city doesn't have book exchange boxes, maybe you can bring this concept to it.
0: All right, y'all. Thanks again to Jessica Lynn Williams. For yeah, thanks us for today. being here. Absolutely, that's awesome. You can check her out on social media. We'll put a link to her handles in the uh, show notes if you'd like. Our added value this week: we've been talking a little bit about um, self-destructive behavior and and social media. Uh, I think contributes to. A, some accidental self-destructive behavior. In fact, I think most mm. of the time, whenever... I mean, think about your 20s, Ryan, or my 20s. I barely get- remember my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and so, remember, though, that when you start a self-destructive behavior, it never feels self-destructive at first. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It feels like a escape or a getaway or whatever. And before we know it, all of a sudden, we're, we're steeped in self-destruction mm. there's a new album out by mgk and it's called tickets to my downfall which and he's this 29 year old I, I guess you would just call him like a rapper from ohio but he started mm. he 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 made this what i would call a 90s alternative rock album which is seems like a strange combination it seems like a rapper couldn't do that but he did it exceptionally well it, it um is this fa- the album you sent me yeah it is Sweet. i don't know if you checked it out yet but mm. um my favorite song is there's a ton of great songs on there but it is an album he's a 29 year old guy who is yeah i wrote a, a novel um a decade and a half ago called as a decade fades mm-hmm. and i finished it when i was 29 and a lot of it was about sort of self-destructive behavior right and i see a lot of that those same characteristics in mgk and what he's writing about and how he can't get out of his own way and i see the, i see the parallels right now with social media we can't get out of our own way and and the only way for us to to sort of repair ourselves is to realize that we're really screwed i mean mm. and mm. Someone's not going to come in and, and regulate you to, yeah. f- toward freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying regulation isn't needed with respect to social media. It is. But you can't wait around for the regulation. Self-regulation is what's important here. So if you realize you're screwed, then you also have to realize you have to save yourself. And, and you, we have this old term, vote with your dollars. But now in this, in this attention economy, it's vote with your attention. Yeah. And realize that if you're giving your attention to these platforms for a disproportionate amount of time, then you're voting for their business model. And so you don't have to completely opt out, but you have to walk away for extended periods of time. Otherwise, you're going to see some self-destructive behavior. And so check out uh, the new MGK album. It's called Tickets to My Downfall. Real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists. Ryan had this idea of Over a year ago, that whenever whenever we have a guest in here, so Jess, when we're all finished with this, we can get you to do one of these as well. We have this new video series called Biggest Failure. And it's talking about each person comes on and says, you know, hi, I'm Joshua Fields Milburn, and this is my biggest failure. And then we sort of talk about the lesson that we learned from failing. And Ryan, you sort of had this idea because I I think I wanted to change the narrative, even the sort of social media narrative in a Mm. way of constant winning.
2: Yeah, I really think that in Western culture, there is this narrative with uh, with celebrities or with, you know, radio personalities, with social media personalities. I'm trying not to use the word influencer here. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they do is they talk about like, well, hey, here's where uh, I messed up in life. And then here's how I started to win. And here is how I win. Tomorrow, and here's how I make sure I win from five years from now. And I'm going to be winning the rest of my life, and you can win with me too. Yeah. And there's just something about that that is. It's, I
1: kind of got excited.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a little phony. It's not real life. Yeah. And I think what the biggest failure segment does is it really takes us uh, to the truth of, of some things. And to me, that's the truth is more important than. Uh, just people
0: constantly seeing me or seeing our guests as just constant winners. By the way, I think these, these uh, it's a video series. Uh, and by the way, it's only on our uh, Patreon page, TheMinimalists.com slash Patreon or Patreon.com slash TheMinimalists. Either way, we'll get you there. Uh, every Saturday, we put these out. They show up in your email inbox. No calls to you if you are a uh, podcast supporter. But what I've noticed, Jess, is that um, this resonates with a lot of people because, We all fail, and we all have sort of bruises or scars, but I think our scars make up the most interesting parts of us, and so with this video series, it's two to five minutes each week, and it's just this little nugget of like, oh, this person failed their way to success, because that's how everyone succeeds. Mm -hmm. By the way, we know this as a child, right? Whenever you see a kid first trying to walk, it's not like, well, I got up and fell and so i guess i tried that once and now i'm done Mm. but as adults it's like well i uh Mm. screwed that up let's hide that and make sure no one ever sees that screw up ever again a kid falls and they're like get right back up i'm going like 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 how, how long do you give a kid to walk well, it's until they can actually walk, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not the, it, you're not going to say, well, you've tried four or five times. Like, what are you doing, Ella? Like, you're just going to be relegated to crawling for the rest of your life. Mm. No, you're going to fail until you figure this out. And that's what we're trying to capture here with these, with, with this video series. It's called Biggest Failures. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. We'll put a link to the most recent one in there. But uh, every Saturday they come out, show up right in your inbox. If you are a podcast supporter, patreon.com slash Minimalist. You can follow The Minimalist on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalist. Come to one of our live podcast shows. Visit theminimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalist. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at The minimalists.com we'll never send you spam or junk or advertisements or anything like that but we will send you our simple sunday emails whenever we send those in addition to our podcast show notes every week and if you leave here today with just one message we hope it's this jessica
1: love people and use things because the opposite never works
0: love it all right y'all see you later see you